0: I'm glad to welcome a guest speaker today, Matt Binney. He's, he's a friend of the church, and um, he's the lead pastor of Community Church Potney. And I think he's a very good friend of Philip, our lead pastor who is uh, currently on paternity break. <laughs> um, so we're in good hands today. Can we welcome Matt. Great. Lovely to see you all this morning. It's really great to be with you. Thanks, Philip, for inviting me. Um, I hope it all goes well. And how long have I got? An hour, apparently. Is that right? Um, And I hope you like my set. Uh, I brought this this morning. uh, Built it. We're going to be speaking on uh, building a house for God. Uh, David, I understand you're in the book of David. I'm not really speaking on that. I'm speaking about fear today, as the PowerPoint says. Um, And I'm going to pray before I start. Lord Jesus, I pray for each of us this morning. Thank you that you know uh, every one of us. And uh, even if we don't know you. And uh, none of us know you as, as, as much as possible because you are infinite and amazing. And I pray, Lord, this morning you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? It's our heart's desire. I pray you'd bless us, Lord. We, we need your strengthening. We need your... As we heard in the worship about living for your glory. And uh, we know we we fail to do that so often. And thank you that you're forgiving. You welcome us home. And you welcome us to move forward and to fall forward and keep going forward. No matter where we're at in our lives. In Jesus' name would you speak. Amen. Amen. So it's a great privilege to continue with your sketches series this morning. I don't know about you, but I tend to uh, like it when things go well for me. Do you like it when things go well for you? You know, when when I lead a church, I used to be a school teacher, believe it or not, about 14 years ago, I was a school teacher. And uh, I would love it when the children did what they were told. And I'm sure if you're a school teacher, you know that is very rare. Um, and you would try not to get angry, and I would feel more loved by God, and more blessed by God, and I would feel that God was more in control, unfortunately, when things were going well, than when they were not going well. And when I would lose my temper, I I would feel that maybe God doesn't like me as much anymore. I knew the theology, I understood that, God loved me no matter what I did, but I felt, possibly, God doesn't like me or love me so much anymore and I lead a church now and uh, I don't know about you I'm sure you are all perfect I'm sure you're all perfect in Putney we are not all perfect yet and um, I've come here to learn from you uh, so you you can I can take away your perfection to Putney Um, but I like it when things are going well I, I, I was so blessed to hear that you normally start a couple of minutes late. That's so good, because most churches do. And I, Putney, we start at ten 10.30, and we normally start by 32. And I normally like it when we start at 10. o'clock. And when things are going well, when people turn up, when people do their serving, when, when people do their giving, when people are involved as they should and da, 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 da. Do, go to community groups and all that kind of stuff, um, I like it. And I feel like I'm succeeding. And I can feel that God is probably more in control in such times, and I can feel that God is, maybe things are out of control when things aren't going so well, when that great member of the church leaves, and I go, ah, my heart, ah, it breaks my heart. And we all feel like that, and we can lose the sense that God is still in control. Even in that, even in that painful time, even when things are tough, God is still just as much in control and over those circumstances, I'm going to be speaking about a difficult passage today. I was so blessed by Philip when he sent me these, this, this uh, passage, because anybody who knows that reference knows that it's not an easy passage. And I was so blessed also that Phil said in it, I don't know what this means. So over to you. I was um, looking at your, um, your, your preaching series, and it, I was so blessed. Paul spoke on friendship last week. Friendship. I would love to speak to you about friendship this morning. <laughs> oh, friendship, how we should love and support each Be like Jonathan. Oh, be like Jonathan. No, I've got to talk about fear. I've got to talk about, I've got to talk about David um, eating some holy bread that he shouldn't eat. I've got to talk about him pretending to be mad and fleeing in fear. So that's my uh, wonderful uh, job this morning. Um, and I'm sure David at this time, as I'm going to read in a minute as we go through, he's fleeing. He's been promised that he's going to be king. In fact, he's been anointed king. Whatever that means, it means that he's been promised to be king of the people of God. Even so, things are going wrong. You'd have thought, I've been anointed king, promised to be king. I can't wait to be king. You know, the Lion King. And we know the story in the Lion King, he ends up in the wilderness, doesn't he? It's just like a Messiah kind of story, isn't it? As they all are. They all steal the Bible story because it's the best story, and you know, just like that. I can't wait to be king, but for the moment, you know, he's he's going to basically be fleeing for his life for a while. And um, my uh, everything, I want to say, fulfills God's purpose. Everything fulfills God's purposes. I'm not saying everything's good. I'm not saying I would like things to be the same as they are. I would prefer things to be different. I'm not saying your behavior doesn't affect things prop, real, really prop, properly, and so on. There's a great lot of paradoxes and mysteries involved. But we do know that God's will is fulfilled in all things. When you get to the end of the book of Revelation, the end of the last book of the Bible, you will see that Jesus reigns forever. And I believe that when Jesus comes again and the, the earth is restored and everything's perfect and so on, I don't think there'll be anybody missing that should be there. Do you believe that? There'll be nobody missing. Everybody will be there. Everybody who should have become a Christian will become a Christian. Everybody will enjoy Jesus. And everyone will look back on the battles and all the things that have gone right and wrong, and they will say, thank you, Lord, that you taught me so much through all these circumstances. As David, will see, is learning a lot through his circumstances. So we're gonna start looking at David flees in fear. 21.1. I'm reading from your ESV uh, version. Uh, Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. And Helimelech came to meet David trembling and said to him, why are you alone? No one is with you. Well, Now we see that David, uh, you read last week, was fleeing for his life. Saul, the current king, has become prideful and paranoid. He, he knows, he feels threatened. And I'm sure we can all get like this. It, and it's a, it's a warning to every one of us that we can feel threatened by people. And that th- sense of being threatened when you don't trust God when you when you you feel threatened you take things in your own hands you can start to act behave badly toward people and Saul was a head and shoulders man it's called he was a tall man he was a big man he had lots of reasons to be prideful in his looks and appearance then he became prideful and started to defend himself and and hold on to his position and fight against David who was God's chosen and so David flees is fleeing for his life in fear He would have preferred it to be different, I'm sure. But you and I both know where the story goes, that David will end up being king. And actually, through these circumstances, he will become king. It's actually through this that that comes about. Without it, it won't come about. In fact, through all these circumstances, Saul will end up dying. And it's through through the difficulties that the victory comes. So he's fleeing for his life. God had said to Saul, your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler. And through all that I'm gonna read through this passage, and there's not a lot of commentary. There's not like, is this right? Is this wrong what David's doing? It's it's hard to know. But what we do know is behind it is a man who loves God, who is behaving like a man, behaving like a human being, making mistakes, making it up as he goes along. Not, he hasn't got all the answers. He's a young man, just like your many young men. You know, we are we, 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 not one anymore, but when I was young, um, one makes mistakes, and older men do as well. Hopefully you make less as you get older. You gain some wisdom. And David is gaining wisdom through these circumstances. But, but, but we know behind this, he's a man after God's own heart. He's fleeing, but he loves God. And he's been anointed king, as I've said. Saul took a horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And you heard about that right at the beginning of the series. Where you, God doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And there's all these big big brothers who seemed to be like Saul... Big and strong. These should surely be king. And God looks at the heart. And so God has chosen David as king. Everything fulfills his purposes. Even though he's fleeing in fear. And we can, we can be there. Moments of fear in our lives. Moments when people are against us. when we can't sleep at night because that person is in your mind. They feel like the enemy. You're being, you feel like you're being persecuted. You may be being persecuted. Unfortunately, the church isn't persecuted enough, I don't think, but we can be persecuted for other reasons. People don't like us, the way we do our jobs. And God is fulfilling his purpose. And David is on his own, as I read he is on his own. And we heard last week about how friendship is so important. This is going to be a short period. We're going to see at the end of this story, he's going to end up in a cave and there's going to be people gathered together. God it does not want you to be alone. But there are times when you are alone. There are times when you move to a new city. There are times when you feel the, the odd one out You can feel like, in fact, we know, don't we, in cities, you can often feel more alone. You walk through a village, you see how many people say hello. Every single person. And why is that? Because the crowd thing is that there's something in human nature. The more people there are, the less intimate we become. And that can happen with churches as they grow as well. You become less and less intimate because you've got more and more people. And we can feel alone. But I want to say this. You may feel alone right now. It wouldn't be surprising if you felt alone right now. You heard the statistics last week about London being the most uh, loneliest city on earth. Well, so therefore, it's likely that some of you feel alone this morning. I want to tell you that God is with you. I want to tell you, you know, you can read the Bible, you know David, David, God's got a plan for David's life, right? He's He's got promises over him. God is with him. Well, it's true for you as well, isn't it? We sang that song, he gave it all for us. He gave it all for us. Jesus gave it all for you. The cross speaks of God's friendship toward you. And so no matter what you go through, Jesus was alone on the cross. He was separated from the father. The curse of our sin was upon him, separated him, God, from his son. So you need never be alone. Never be alone alone. You will never be forsaken. But you don't feel like it all the time. Appreciate that. Doesn't always feel like that. Feels like you are alone. You can come to church and think nobody speaks to me. You can come to a community group and feel like no one, you don't connect with people. Young people can feel like that. Teenagers can feel like that. At church, I've got nobody I feel really connected with. It can be a real challenge. We've got to work so hard at friendships, haven't we? But let me let me encourage you though that God, you aren't alone. God is with you. In this moment, trust God. Trust Him. Trust Him, won't you? He's with you. That's uh, David's alone. Everything fulfills God's purposes, even through this. God's got purpose for you. Lie. He lies to the priest. Twenty-one, two to three. And David said to Ahimelech, the priest, the king has charged me with a matter and said to me, let no one know anything of this matter about which I am sending you. Well, the king hadn't charged him. There's some um, commentators would say that the king refers to God, so he's not lying. It's kind of like a, but I think he's saying, no, to Ahimelech, Saul has charged me. And so he is deceiving the priest. And not surprisingly, He's deceiving him. Um, he's scared, running for his life. It doesn't have any, com- there's no commentary on it. It doesn't say, and the priest, uh, sorry, the prophet came to David and said, why did you lie? You should not have lied. You should have trusted me. He doesn't say that. So anything we say about David's attitude here will be speculation. But he does say something that's not true. And with which I have charged you. Um, I have made an appointment with young men uh, for for such and such a place. This is the ESV version, it's not so clear. Now then, what do you have at hand? Give me five loaves of bread and whatever is here. So you see he comes to the priest and he deceives him saying that he's on the king's business. And um, this is a portrait of ourselves. We are like this, all of us. I'm sure we've all lied at times. And I actually think we deceive, we lie, not so much in what we do say and what we don't say. That's called the sin of omission and the sin of commission. The sin of commission is, uh, I'm gonna tell you a blatant lie, let me tell you this, it's not true. But the sin of commission, omission is this, what did you do on the weekend? Oh, I had a really good time. Spent time with my friends. That's true. But why don't we say something like, Oh, I had a wonderful time at the weekend. Spent time. I went to church on Sunday. It's the best thing. Best bit of my weekend. We worshipped God. And I felt his presence and power. And the speaker was amazing. (laughs) Just such a... I just felt so built up with what what he said. Uh, Do you ever go to church? You see... We don't necessarily deceive by what we do say, but we certainly do deceive by what we don't say. We could be more open. David is closed. He's not confident. The situation has, has startled him. I can understand him. I'm not gonna be too hard on David. I would probably do the same if I was fleeing for my life. And you would probably do the same as well. Again, there's no there's no commentary here to say much about it, but I can tell you this we all deceive, and there's forgiveness for every one of us in Christ. And we all don't say the things we should say, and there's forgiveness and the spirit of power to enable us to grow in courage. The good news is you are like David, and the good news is you can also become like David. You can become more courageous you can become more truthful, can't we all? And it says he takes the holy bread here in uh, these verses. It says, now then, what do you have at hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered, David, I have no common bread at hand, but there is holy bread. If uh, the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, truly women have been kept from us as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men, that's an interesting way of putting it, the vessels of the young men are holy even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today when will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread For there was no bread there, but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. So we see here that David compromises by taking what should only be eaten by the priests, now, Jesus makes reference to this later on in the Gospels. I'm not going to go into big detail about it, but he does eat something that Leviticus clearly says he shouldn't eat. And the priest should not have given it to him either. He, he, he makes up these rules of you shouldn't be... Of, and that is true. The priest, there are, There is a there is certain cleanliness you should have, a priest should have to eat this bread. But David was not a priest. He shouldn't be eating this bread. Again, we have another instance of... Compromise, And again, we can relate to this. If you're fleeing for your life, you could, you'd probably do the same. You need some food. Here's some food. I've got access to this food. He takes it. We can relate to this. And what can we learn from this? I think there's a, just a clear picture of the gospel here. A clear picture of something here. We've got David who is un worthy, and unqualified to be eating holy bread that's been from the presence of God. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats this bread, see all the bread in the Old Testament, this bread and the manna from heaven, if you know the story, miraculous provision of bread, are all pictures of Jesus. He comes and we're unworthy of him, he's holy bread, he's bread from the presence of God, he is God, come into the earth. How can you come into a relationship with such a holy person, knowing that we are liars, knowing that we compromise, knowing that we're just human beings, who think things and don't do all that we should do? Well, the good news is this, that Jesus went to the cross, he took the curse, He took all of our compromise. He took all of our lying upon himself and he became sin for us. So we can now come into the Holy of Holies. We can enter the temple. We can eat this bread. What do I mean by eat this bread? I mean you can be sustained by the spirit of the living God every day. When you are fearful, when you feel alone, you can eat from this bread of life. When there's a man called Elijah in the Old Testament, he's fleeing for his life. He lies down. And says, oh, that I was dead! So, so he was so annoyed and fed up with life. Felt that everybody was against him. He laid down, and an and, and, and angel came to him and gave him bread, and he was sustained and able to run. Again, a picture of Jesus. If we don't spend time with Jesus, we'll be tired and fed up with life. We'll forget the point that everything fulfills his purpose. When we come to Jesus, everything gets into perspective again, doesn't it? In prayer, in worship. We sang these wonderful songs this morning, but let's not just do it in the mornings. Let's do do it when we get home as well. Let's do it with our families. Let's keep eating from this wonderful bread from heaven. And then we get this this, uh, reference to the sword of victory, 21, eight to nine. David said to Ahimelech, then have you not here a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you struck down. Say you struck down. Say you struck down. You struck, you struck down. So th- he's reminding him. That the priest is reminding him, Rem- you are, you are, you're a person who's had victories in the past. Remember what's happened in the past. It's an aside. The priest doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, this is a this is an encouragement to David. Should it not be an encouragement to every one of us? Remember the past victories of God in Scripture. Remember the past victories of God in your life. If you can't think of anything in your life, think of something in your friends' lives. There are lots of victories in our past, but particularly in Scripture. You know, the, the David and Goliath story is our story. It's our history. This is what our God did through a person. Let's remember our victories. When we're alone, when we're fleeing, when we're feeling that things are out of control, let's remember God. And the priest said, the sword of Goliath the Philistine whom you struck down in the valley of Elah. Behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it. For there is none but that here. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. And we read in 1 Samuel 17, 51. You see this sword, it's a bit like Excalibur. It's got a history uh, with King Arthur, that is. It's a bit like one of these weapons, a legendary weapon that, you know has a lot of history and this is what David this is how David would have remembered that sword in in 1 Samuel 17 David so he's he's killed Goliath with a stone and a sling and he and and he's if you know the story before he kills Goliath he confesses he it's going to be through the power of God that he's going to kill him and that's indeed how it happens David flings the stone it's David's skill But it's ultimately God's power that fulfills it. And it says here, and David ran and stood over him. It's like one of these films, isn't it? Troy or something. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from the sheath after he killed him. And he cut off his head with the sword. Can you imagine a Brad Pitt type character, can't you? Cutting off the head and holding it up, and all the people going "cheer!" Yeah. And this is David's history with this sword, and it should have reminded him of the past victories of God in these time of difficulty. And I hope that you and I will learn from this story, and. Take courage and heart from the promises and the stories of God in our lives and from scripture. If you're feeling down and lonely and alone and you feel like your life's full of compromise, come to the stories of God and be encouraged for fresh courage, be inspired again. Everything fulfills God's purposes. Everything. The victor's song drives him mad. We've got this uh, thing where he goes to Achish here. Um, and David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, it is, is, not, is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his tens of thousands. So David is a very famous warrior. He's a very famous Christian, famous Christian leader. And this song, it's a very popular song, it's a pop song. People have heard of this song. Saul has struck, and this is the re, one of the reasons why Saul got so defensive. You can imagine it, can't you? Matt, he's really good. But Paul, amazing, amazing. That's the song we're all singing. And you can get defensive about things. And this is what had happened to, to, um, to Saul. But for David, hey, how encouraging that people are singing this amazing song of his victories. And David took these uh, words to heart and was full of courage. David took these words to heart and picked up the sword and strode back to victory and to battle. No. David took these words to heart, was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So, you know, David was, I mean, this is not just a song. This is literal true. He did, with his armies, kill tens of thousands. He was a famous warrior. And he's fallen low, isn't he? he? He's lost his courage. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane. In their hands and made marks on the doors of the gates. let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, behold, you see, the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to us as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So David departed. The victor's song drives him mad, in inverted commas. Rather than the victor's song inspiring courage, it causes him to fear. Fear. Again, it's a similar thing. Let the songs, let the songs inspire you. When you read of Jesus healing, when you hear, read of the Book of Acts of healings and power, don't go, ah, oh, we've tried this. You know, lose heart. Be inspired by these victory songs. Be inspired by songs of victory. Let's go again, go again in faith. Let's never stop going again in faith. Let's not lose heart as did David. Again, there's not commentary on it. There's there's nothing that says, and God was displeased with David for this. We're we're just going over these these things and learning some lessons from it. In fact, we know that in Psalm 56, this was David's heart because this is the direct reference. He wrote a song coming out of these experiences. When I am afraid, Psalm 56, three to four, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid, what can mortal man do to me? Now that is a glorious song, but it doesn't quite look like that in the time. But we have to trust, don't we? Somehow behind it is God's wisdom somehow working, even in David's bizarre behavior. God is working. All things work for his purposes, even sometimes when we do unwise things. God's will, you know, is fulfilled often through things that are not his will. That sounds like a paradox, but it's true. There's lots of things that happen in the world that are not his will, but you know his will is always done. You know he has control over history. God's will is fulfilled through things that are not his will, even in our own lives when we behave in ways that are not perfect. You've done things in your past, and you will do things in your future, of which you will think that's not wise, that's not right, that's not great. But God will still fulfill his purposes. Let's move on. Let's move on from it. Yeah, I, I behave badly. Well, move on from it then, just move on. God can fulfill it, God, God, God can use it, let's move on. Someone's wronged you, someone's behaved badly towards you, well, move on then, let it go. Let's not live in bitterness. Let's not become cynical because of other people's behavior. Let's trust God through it all. Behind it is God. Underneath are the everlasting arms. He's there. He's in control of all things. I could say a lot more, but time doesn't permit. And then we get to the cave of new hope, 22. I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him and he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 Men. So there's more than 400 pe- people, but 400 men. And we see this cave of new hope. We see through all these circumstances, he gets to this point here of new hope. And in fact, he has to go through this to get to that point. And often that is the way it is. We go through difficulties, we go through trials, and then we get to a point where God wants to open up things again and to give us new hope. We see the same. In Jesus and the resurrection, we see that his disciples, in fear, all fled. We see that Peter, like David, in fear, behaves badly. He lies. He deceives. He says, No, I don't know him. I don't know Jesus. I don't know him. Just like David, just like you, just like me. He's in fear, fleeing for his life. They all flee for their lives. In fact, we hear nothing from anybody. What shall I do with the son of God? Crucify him, you don't hear any other voices. Sin of omission. They don't say what they should say. They deceive by what they don't say. We're all the same. God uses people like you and me and them, all of us, for his kingdom. And what does Jesus do? He rises from the dead and they all come to this new hope, this place of resurrection. They come to the, the upper room. He re- appears to them, he, he, he reappoints them. He says to Peter, yet. Yeah, you've made mistakes, but come on, do you love me? Will you feed my sheep? What, somebody who's deceived? Somebody who's lied, yet? Yeah, will, you, will, will you move on? Will, will, you, will you take my commission on? No matter how bad you've been, no matter what you've done wrong, no matter how much you've lied and fled for fear and behaved badly and been unwise, God comes to you, God comes to me, he recommissions us to resurrection Jesus, resurrected Jesus and says, go again. Will you trust me? Will you keep serving me? Everything fulfills my purposes. No matter what's gone before, we just trust him through it. I'm not teaching that it's okay to compromise It's okay to be unwise. The story doesn't teach us that, does it? But it does teach us that we know that God is in control. He is in control. And we know that in all things, if the band wants to come up, and we know that in all things, Romans 8 says, (coughs) excuse me, God works for the good of those who love him have been called according to his purposes. For in all things. And we know that in in context, the all things is in suffering and difficulties and danger and famine and nakedness and sword and all these things he talks about. So David, in all things, God is working for your good, you will be king. Church, in all things, God is working for your good. You will be glorious. You will be a pure bride. You will be a spotless bride. If, you take this on, if we take this on board, you see, we'll, we'll have fresh courage again. If we live like, oh, the mistakes are going to, that's it now, I'm, I'm disqualified, they're disqualified, we're disqualified, forget it. What are we going to achieve? Nothing. And we'll have done just what the devil wants us to do, which is nothing. See, God's a gracious and loving heavenly father. He always takes us from where we are and moves us forward. And we should do the same for each other as well. Let me encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to run the race, believing. And this is my one point this morning, really, is this. The sketches always lead to the masterpiece. We've seen these sketches. We've seen, and I used to teach art and things, and what you do is you sketch and sketch and da, da, and it's sort of that's about it's sort of that's wrong that's right that's wrong that's wrong so therefore I'll do that and actually it's what you do wrong that helps you get to what's right. There's a legendary um, story of Michelangelo who who made the David's statue. You may have heard this story. It's probably not true, but it's good. I'm going to use it anyway because preachers have got the right to do that. They can use stories. Um, This legendary story is this. How do you know what to remove from this big block of marble? And Michelangelo legendarily said, I remove anything that doesn't look like David. And we're seeing the incomplete work here. David as he is, but not yet as he will be. And this is true for you, church. You are not yet what you will be and you never will be, this side of heaven, what you will be. We will always be making mistakes and deceiving and doing things we shouldn't do. But God is working. God is working. God is sketching. God is chipping away. Take hold of every mistake. Apologize, Repet- turn, say, Lord, I'm sorry. But then say, thank you for what you've taught me through it though. Thank you you've taught me through this. Thank you you've taught us through this. There's always fresh hope with God. Let's stand together, let's worship him.